Uh, Lord, we believe what your word says about your word, that um, it comes to us like a double-edged sword, uh, piercing the soul, um, testing uh, the attitudes and thoughts of our hearts. Uh, Lord, we come uh, today, Lord, perhaps following many other voices, uh, allowing our feelings, our sense of self-worth, our identity, and our happiness to be shaped by things other than what you declare. Uh, Lord, as we've allowed this theme this morning to be about our adopted status as your sons and daughters, Lord, may you direct our focus, our gaze upon uh, the risen Savior, Jesus Christ, who is alive and well, uh, something we don't only celebrate on Easter. Every day, you're alive and well, uh, seated in the heavenly places, ruling over us, uh, providing for us, guiding us in every way, and living on the throne of our hearts, too. Lord, I pray for anyone struggling this morning uh, with uh, whether their view of themselves uh, with doubts, with discouragements, weariness, bitterness, uh, or perhaps a fractured relationship with you and with others. Lord, there's only one place to go uh, to your feet where you embrace us, uh, you beckon us closer to you, uh, you provide the mercy, as we just sang, uh, that floods our souls and brings us away from a place of self-pity and brokenness to a place of confidence, new life, new hope, and the one who died and rose again and reigns on high uh, to lead us to that place over and over again. So help us to do that, God. Uh, And if we haven't prayed in a while, remind us uh, why it's worthwhile to pray and why you love us so much. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Well, we've all been uh, going through this Sermon on the Mount uh, together. And uh, I believe, is this the last one? There's one more next week, I believe, right? One more. Okay, so we're almost there. Um, and um, I imagine that maybe there have been a lot of different reactions to uh, what these uh, messages have been communicating to us. There's a lot about Christian living, uh, what it means to be an authentic Christian from the inside out. Uh, that's more than just an outward conformity uh, to laws that perhaps we're overly familiar with, but how we approach it on the inside. You know, uh, do we uh, love God on the inside? Um, are we driven by a true desire uh, to be more like him and to be authentic citizens of the kingdom? And maybe you like that stuff. I know a lot of Christians, they just like being told what to do. You know, they like uh, do A and B and you can feel good about yourself as a Christian and maybe you're eating this up and you love it. Um, others of you, maybe this has been a humbling, discouraging experience where maybe you come these Sundays and thinking, I'm doing okay in my spiritual life, but hearing the pastor tell me I've got to be more, I've got to be better, uh, I'm not quite living up to God's right standard, and maybe you've been blindsided by that teaching, um, realizing that you're not as good as you think you are. Um, maybe there's some frustration, maybe a feeling of offense that if God's a God of amazing grace, why is my best efforts at faithfulness and obedience Never enough. Why does it feel like it's never enough? And maybe there's a few of you feeling like, man, this is too much. You know, uh, I've failed enough in my Christian life, and this is making me feel like I've got to do even more than why, why even try? Forget this. Maybe you felt one or, or all of the above, but for how many of us has our reaction been, I can't do this, this is hard, but this is right. This is the will and the word of God. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask God for help. I am too weak, selfish, narrow-minded to see this 
as what's good for me. I'm going to go before, kneel before God and humbly ask him because he's the only one that can provide uh, the means to grow. And I think that's exactly why Jesus gives this word uh, at this very point in this very, very extended Sermon on the Mount to show us that this should be our response, that throughout God's teaching, no matter where, what the context, what the content that we receive, it's always God. I need your help uh, because I am weak and helpless. Uh, apart from your grace, I'll go my own way. Uh, I'll wander. Well, the focus of this verse, uh, verses 7 and 8, is asking, uh, seeking, and knocking. Right? A-S-K spells ask. I thought that was pretty cool. You know, God is, um, Jesus knew what he was doing there. Um, but um, though the word pray is not explicitly used, the idea of prayer is implied, and it's here to remind us that uh, God never tells us what to do without assuring us that I'm going to help you to do it. These are, this isn't too burdensome for you. Uh, I care for you. And I'm not here to overload you with burdens that you can't handle. And the very means by which we're given that power and ability is by asking. Let me ask you, I'll ask you, uh, when's the last time you asked God for help? Uh, Not just for things that concern you, uh, but for the things that concern God and his ways. You know, um, these verses, asking you will receive, Seeking you will find, knocking the door will be open. Very familiar. Uh, maybe you rem- memorized it as a kid. Um, uh, we need to study this because I think it's at the top of the list of verses that are the easiest to take out of context and misapply, right? I've heard horrible dating advice I overheard. It's like, oh, you like her? Ask and you will receive. So he asks, she says no, and he stops going to church. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible advice. Uh, you can say something else. Or uh, you want a raise, go, ask, and you receive. And you go, you're denied, and um, that's the end of that. But um, when we look at promises like this uh, that come with commands, uh, I think as we, as we mature at reading Scripture, we realize that you know, there's context, uh, there's qualifications uh, that God doesn't always hand over to us Uh, everything uh, we ask, there's something much bigger at work uh, that God's involved in and that God desires for you. So um, there's just two parts to this uh, sermon today. It's encouragements, and we'll look at some of those qualifications uh, from which this this, uh, verse comes. So the first, so encouragements, qualifications, a couple of encouragements. Uh, The first encouragement is uh, we're invited to ask. We're invited to pray. We're not pressured Right? I know that this is a, uh, an idea that we need to be reminded of because I know that um, in my life and in the people I talk to, there's a lot of people when you ask about how their prayer lives are going, there's al- almost always this sense of guilt that, oh, I want to pray more, but <sighs> frankly, I'm not praying enough. I feel like I, I say that every time. I hear that every time uh, I ask, and, and it doesn't help when we hear sermons about prayer, how we should pray, how we can't live without prayer. Uh, the sense of feeling we get isn't always, yeah, I should go home, you know, get on my knees, lock the door, and pray more. It's like, oh, I know I should, but it's just so hard. And how effective is that really at the end of the day when someone is telling you, pray, 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 uh, and that automatically leads to a more fruitful prayer life? No. Here, the tone and spirit with which Jesus gives these words to us is that prayer is not forced on us. He's not saying, get on your knees, put your head down, and pray. Uh, He says, 
he gives rather a loving invitation. He's lovingly inviting us to this. And let me credit uh, Dr. John Piper here for his thoughts on this passage. He writes that this invitation to ask, to seek, uh, and knock is something powerful and wonderful. When we stop to consider the character of the very one who is inviting us to ask. And here's what we know about the one who is inviting us. That number one, he's infinitely righteous, meaning all that he wants, all that he thinks, and all that he does is right. God is infinitely good, which teaches us that everything he thinks, wills, and does is perfectly good. And number three, he's infinitely wise. And so we learn that everything he knows, he always knows perfectly what is right and good for us, and those things he always acts on. And when you pause to consider this, then the invitation of God to ask him for good things with the promise that he will give them is unimaginably wonderful. And how many of us have ever, ever stopped to think when we see how much we fall short in our prayer lives, rather than immediately thinking I should be better at this and do more, do we stop to consider that the God who wants us to pray more, loves us so. He's so kind, good, righteous, and wise. It's in our best interest. It's good for us. And it'll benefit us greatly to come to him with our prayers, no matter what those needs are. This past winter, uh, my father was uh, diagnosed with lymphoma cancer in his blood. And thankfully, he's doing much better. He's on his last round this week. But I remember when that, uh, we first were made aware of that, our family, we got to praying quite a bit. You know, we were praying a lot, uh, coming together, praying together. Um, and I look back and um, thinking about just reflecting what got us to pray. Uh, no one told us to pray. No one pressured us to pray. Uh, I think it was a combination of recognizing our brokenness, our helplessness, our inability to control the situation at hand, and secondly, understanding God's heart his love for us, uh, that he wants to be faithful to us. And we constantly had to remind ourselves and one another of these things. And that's what I believe at the end of the day led to such intense, long times of prayer, at least for me. You know? uh, and I think if we stop to look at God's invitation to us in that way, uh, we'll see greater power. Um, we'll see our prayer lives going um, to the next level there. Number two, we're promised guaranteed results. And I think this is simple from what we read. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. In verse 8, it's repeated you know, to show uh, emphasis here. And in verse 11, simply Jesus says, how much more will, not might, will your father give good gifts the way he defines good uh, to those who ask. The wording isn't, go, ask, knock on the door, and let's just wait and see, you know, if you ask right, or if God is in a good giving mood, or if you knock loud enough. There's no uncertainty there, right? If you're a teacher or a parent, uh, we're different, right? You're different in that if your kid asks you for something, and they demand it, they ask rudely, they're not getting anything. <laughs> you're, they ain't getting nothing until they ask nicely, and they say, please, right? Um, but... Uh, on the, when we look at um, how our God sees us, I mean, we're, sometimes we're worse. Right? Sometimes we uh, demand things of God. You know? But uh, one thing we can know about a perfect Heavenly Father is that He promises uh, to receive our prayers. 
He promises to work through them. He promises uh, results. And as we know, those results will, at times, more often than not, uh, be, not be what we expect. It's not always going to be a yes. It could be a no. It could be a later. It could be a calm down and wait. But everyone who asks receives. And what that also reminds us is, uh, if some of us are in the habit of always asking others to pray for us, and uh, rather than directly going to God, we know that uh, we don't need to qualify ourselves in any way. He listens to us. And we'll get to why a little bit later. This promise to us is that anyone who asks can expect to receive more than what we expect or imagine. Next encouragement, God listens and answers because he's our father. Uh, we confessed that earlier a few minutes ago. Uh, something that maybe we neglect to remember when we try to improve and work on our prayer lives. That we're praying not to uh, this distant, holy being that we have to bow down and say all these words to get his attention. He's a father. Verses 9 through 11. The Sermon on the Mount here takes on a very personal tone. Which of you, if he asks him for a bread, will give him a stone? Which, if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? For the first time in a long time in Matthew, that's how he's, he's addressed here. Before, up until this point, all we've heard was what we need to do to fulfill the law and to obey and to live rightly as citizens of the kingdom. Here it takes a personal tone because rules, expectations, teachings can come from anybody. Uh, but loving promises can come from a father. And I'm, I'm here to address this with any of us who still struggle in our spiritual lives of seeing God as a strict authoritarian out to ruin us or just control our lives. I know I, had, I have struggled with this for so many years. Uh, as a teenager growing up, I had many, many strict authority figures in my life. Uh, just to mention, you know, I had, um, had an Italian boss at this restaurant I worked at. His name was Nicholas Bonvini. And to this day, when I'm washing my dishes, this is 20 years ago, I still see his face here saying, I'm going to mop the floor with your blank if you don't, have, if you don't wash these dishes. And to this day, um, I don't have a single dirty dish in my sink. <laughs> Trauma. Um, but the father has a different heart. Uh, there may be rules, there may be expectations, but there's a love that drives them. I saw Mr. Bonvini play with his kids like minutes after he yelled, you know, saying, this is really confusing, you know, he's like, mm, you know, taking care of, he's just wanting to give good gifts to his kids and everything. Um, and if earthly fathers, all of whom are evil compared to God, who don't even know God, uh, want to make their children happy, how much should that change our view of God so that we're no longer tiptoeing around our prayers. Um, how much more capable is he of delivering on his promises than anyone who has ever made a promise before? You know, for those of you who have young children, you know how much you want to give good things to them, especially when they have needs, when they're hungry. How much, if you're a father or a mother, would it break your heart if your child was scared to ask you for a snack uh, when they wake up hungry? when you see them sitting outside the room where you're in your study, and they're just like, oh, did he hear me? <laughs> you know, oh, hungry today. 
No, you would want them to come directly to you. They don't have to be passive about it. Um, they have direct access uh, to their parents, earthly father. And I think we don't never ever have to sit there wondering, uh, especially in our time of spiritual need, uh, when we're at our weakest, uh, when we're helpless, uh, when we're confused, uh, which we go through a lot. In fact, as we get older, uh, I think the sense of coming to God as a child, uh, we so easily lose sight of. You know? I think uh, it's a big part of my college ministry is assuring, especially our underclassmen, that Yo, you can come to the pastor. You don't have to be scared of us. Right? <laughs> we might be getting older, but come to us anytime. You know? And uh, my membership interviews, especially when they become formal members, it's like now we're formally watching over you, so reach out anytime. A couple times they're like, okay, we're going to text you every day. <laughs> you know? I said, that's not what I meant. But, um, but I think in the same way, it's like God gives that, opens that door to us. And um, it can excite us, it can intimidate us, but he's saying, you know, look at the scriptures. Look at how the widow uh, persistently cried out for justice. Look at how the centurion boldly, understanding uh, what Jesus the Messiah was capable of and asked for healing. He says, wear me out with your asking. Do it in faith. Do it knowing that not only is he good, but he's powerful working for our good. And he's wise. He sees what we don't see. I know a lot of us are planners. You know, we um, map out every possible scenario of our life based on the decisions we make. But our wisdom pales in comparison to how much God sees now, what he sees down the road, and how capable he is of bringing us from point A to point B, regardless of how cloudy and confusing and chaotic it might be. And here is where we find the ultimate confidence God will give us good things as his children because he has already given us the ultimate gift to become his children. That's where our assurance lies, in the very gospel that brought us from a place of wandering, of helplessness. We were all fatherless, orphans, and he opened wide the door to his very room, his living room, so we can enter in. We can sit on, sit on the floor, do whatever we want in this household because we are his children. And that gift that made us his sons and daughters came at a much more costly price than anything else he could give. The death of his own beloved son. And why wouldn't he be pleased and willing to give us everything we need to live for him, to bring him glory? If you are a Christian and you're struggling with this, struggle no more. He declares you as his beloved child, and that is who you are. Uh, if you're not a Christian here today, um, probably either uh, this idea of prayer, I know that a lot of people are intrigued by, um, or skeptical of. Uh, whenever something bad happens in the world, so lift up some prayers. You know, lift up thoughts and prayers, which is fine, you know, uh, better than ignoring the situation or uh, becoming uh, hardened um, and numb to those things. Um, but 
maybe for people who don't quite understand what the big deal of prayer is, wondering if it's, what's the big deal? Uh, why only think and pray when you can do something or make a difference? And I'm sure that's something that a lot of people, I know people in my life struggle with. Well, I pray this passage um, today um, shows us a, a clear different perspective on prayer. Uh, that it's more than just passing thoughts and words, but it's personal. You know, uh, a loving God who laid down his life, becoming one of us, dying on our behalf. This great divide between a holy God and sinful man can be bridged once and for all. And we stop to think about that, right? Beyond just the idea of prayer, who would want to be part of a religion where you are always far from God, where you're never sure that no matter how loud you pray, how serious you are, that God would ever want to hear you or has the slightest concern about me and my concerns? Uh, I don't know about you, I wouldn't want to be a part of a faith like that. It's too confusing. But in Christianity, our God is not like that at all. The proof is in the cross where we are assured of a Father with an undying love. And when we lift up prayers, whether we're in need, whether it's in response to pain, or whether we just want to express our joy, uh, there is a real person who hears us. Uh, and what, that's what makes prayer for us as Christians meaningful and powerful, praying in his name, whether uh, in good times or bad. You know, it's interesting that God would place such power in the prayers of his people. Why would he do that? It's amazing to think of. And here's this God who fills the universe. You know, one thing on my mind um, is out in my personal reflections during Holy Week and Easter is uh, this God who has no beginning and no end. The firstborn of creation would make himself nothing. And then he rose, and we sing these songs. You know, Hallelujah, he's risen. He fills the universe. There are no boundaries to uh, the space he fills. Uh, yet he would make himself so personal to us, make himself nothing. And why would he allow his world to be affected by our prayers? Why would he make that the way he goes? I don't know, maybe it has something to do with us, you know, our, our tendency to doubt and stray and uh, lose faith in him. But maybe this is one of the greatest incentives for a greater diligence in our prayer life, that God's, on one hand, God's everlasting arms are under us, he's in control, yet he allows our prayers to have impact on what happens in our lives and in history. And his will always will be done. And I thought about that, and I'll get to this in a few minutes here. Uh, these are the reasons that make me want to pray. Not guilt, not the sense of if I pray more, then maybe perhaps things will get better. But what God's declared, and I could bank on these things. So in this qualification section now, um, just a couple of things we can do, um, especially if some of you haven't, um, prayed in a while or have struggled uh, to get the words out uh, as you're trying to pray. Um, here's a couple of things that help me. Uh, and, uh, you know, weekly we pray this Lord's Prayer. Uh, and I know we've gone through the Lord's Prayer uh, in the past. 
Um, but I think just uh, connected to what this message is pointing us to, what does it mean, this asking? Asking you will receive. What does that asking look like? What does it sound like? You know, if there are qualifications to that, what is it? What does the Bible say? And I think the Lord's Prayer shows us that. And then two things. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. You know, it's right there. This, this sermon was pretty easy to write. <laughs> let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Top two things we should ask. Those things that we should involve when we try to really, really claim this promise. Ask and you will receive. And believe that God will deliver on that promise. What should we be asking for? Your kingdom come. I look at that as the external. Your will be done, the internal. Asking God for his kingdom to come through his church to make the world right. Praying against sin. Praying against the brokenness, the darkness out there in this world. What we know to be sure on the heart of God. What God wants to use to impact the world. God's heart for justice. Salvation of souls, whether they're in your own, underneath your own roof, across the street, or in the nations around the world. Do you pray for your church? Uh, I know there's a lot to pray for uh, in the coming days, both on our site and yours. Do you pray for your Because God's heart definitely beats for his church because that's his body, his bride, through which he wants to bring his kingdom. He wants the nations to hear his name. When we think about God will do infinitely beyond what we ask or imagine, we have to believe it's more than just God giving us temporary happiness or comfort or things going according to our plans giving us control, he has bigger things in mind. When he says asking and receive, it's more than just uh, the things on your list right now. It's his name. It's the salvation of lost souls. And I think these are the prayers that we can have confidence to ask. And I know that it uh, requires us looking to his word, uh, being reminding ourselves, reminding each other of this, because I know even for me, as soon as I... Um, it's hard enough to even just get myself to um, shut out the noise, turn my devices off, and just close my eyes and pray. Um, and even just getting there is hard, but to also just setting aside what I think is so important, you know, our own desires and ends. And think about when we get frustrated in prayer. It always points back to something we want and we don't get and we don't get right away. But when we make the priorities of God's kingdom before our own, that's where we hit our groove. That's where our hearts come in alignment with this. Something in us comes alive. You know that verse in the Psalms, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. It's about loving what God loves. What might that be for you in your situation right now? Students, what does that look like for you? Loving what God loves beyond what's on your plate right now. You know, some grad students in your workplaces, right? some of you families, when you're thinking, trying to plan for the future for yourselves, uh, what does that look like? Let your kingdom come. And something about God delivering on those prayers, uh, it 
gives an incredible boost to our faith when we see God deliver. We want to keep praying. We want to keep asking for what God declares to be good. And secondly here, your will be done. That's in our hearts, and I think that's very simple here because this, I think, uh, we pray, let your kingdom come, but we can, even in the prayers that we pray that we think we're noble, there's always this conflict of wills inside of us. We want what God wants, yet we can't help but to want what we want too. And so asking God to align our hearts with his is so important to where we end up after we pray and what we see after uh, our prayers, how God works, because we don't see what he sees. Uh, we can pray, God, bless my ministry. Nothing wrong with praying that. But we have to pray, God, let your will be done. Because inside, we might have a different will. God, bless my ministry because, um, I don't know, some people might be comparing me to the other leader, and I want to be the better one. Or I want to be comfortable. I want a sense of control. There's always something inside that we got to be aware of. Lord, do this, but please let your will be done. God, bless my work. Provide for our needs. Bless my family. Bless my children. Let them grow up well. But God, let your will be done because in my heart, uh, I may just want to leave a good impression on other people. You know, I want people to think that I have everything in control and I'm doing a good job. I want to be respected. You know? And that is exposed when uh, we don't get what we want. right? The anger, the frustration, the bitterness towards God. After examining our hearts, because being in his word, uh, appropriate prayers so often that we should lift up is, Lord, if you will something different than what I'm asking, I know that it will be better. And at the end of the day, this is what I really want you to do. Now, if you heard this quote by Dr. Keller, he uses it a lot. God either gives us what we, what we ask or he gives us what we would have asked if he knew everything he knew. But the sad thing is we don't know. A two-year-old kid doesn't know everything his or her parents know about health, nutrition, even as they grow older. Right? They might beg their parents for Sour Patch Kids because it tastes so good. Even today, it tastes so good. You know, sweet tooth. The parent knows that's, gonna, that's not good for you. But if the kid knew right, that eating healthy, having a balanced diet, Calcium, protein, <laughs> uh, proper amount of vitamins. Uh, it's strange, but that kid would ask for more broccoli, asparagus, and everything else that was good for them, but they don't. But it's different in that God, our God knows. And when he says, just, just be patient because I do know. And as we get older, if anything, we should understand more the heart and the mind of God. Because we learn more and we, we develop that wisdom through our lives. Your kid might ask to borrow uh, $10 so that they can go buy a Frosty or something. And once in a while, you give it to them. Uh, but they may ask for that money for something good, uh, to buy something for their sibling or someone else or to donate to a cause, something that your heart resonates with. Um, that's the parent's will. And how much more powerful is it? How much more willing uh, are you to give? And what does that do for uh, the young child who learns how to ask more maturely? And I think that's a lesson that uh, we'll learn more and more and more uh, as we get older. How about if God says no? How do you respond? 
And we were called to ask. <laughs> and maybe um, God has something different. But how do you respond? What is, how does your heart respond? Do you stop asking? I know sometimes I do. Um, whether it's ask, continuing to ask for what uh, God doesn't seem to be giving. Or maybe what we should be learning there is keep asking. But maybe we should be asking for something different. You pray for this, that. You pray for your life to go in a different direction. You pray for God to provide this and that for you, your family, and for your job, and for your ministry. And maybe there, God's call for us is, here, maybe you can ask for strength, for patience, for wisdom and insight that we clearly lack right now. But God invites us to ask because that's his promise, that if you would lack these things, come and ask God who gives generously to all. And rather than complaining or shutting down or saying, forget this, we keep asking, keep asking, uh, understanding the character of the one who wants to give so freely to us. You know, that's, that's God's heart. And um, I believe more and more as we grow and uh, we think about um, how we sometimes respond when we are confronted with this challenge uh, to pray. Um, God leaves it up to us uh, to where we take it and how we respond. But at the end of the day, it's about that time spent together with him, building our intimacy with him, growing in his grace because we're his children. And he declares us that to be so through his word. Uh, Why don't we bow for prayer? Maybe uh, right now, uh, it could just be a couple of prayers. Especially if you have trouble praying, uh, and it's been a while. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done. Think about your life. Uh, Think about what God has declared and promised. Let your kingdom come. God, it's all about your name being spread rather than me getting a bigger paycheck or a nicer house or just good health. And it's fine to pray for those things. But what if you shape those prayers with the kingdom? Uh, What would be different? Um, Let's try it. Let's try that. And then let your will be done because you recognize that even as you're praying those things, there's a conflict in your heart. You want something different. As you pray and surrender and repent, Maybe God will lead you to a place of peace uh, to remind you of what we ought to be praying for. So uh, would you pray with me? Uh, Let's pray together.